Are you ready for the Sinisters? Oh, yeah. Are you ready for all of them, all four of them, yeah. mixing and matching? Yeah, yeah. Wheeling and dealing? Scheming and more scheming, of course. Scheming and dreaming. Ooh. Ooh. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm dreaming. I'm Justin. I'm Justin, okay? I was Justin a couple times now. I just don't know if you want me to say it after or if you want to just never say your name. So that's why I just pause because I don't know. He gave me that. It's like the glance I give you. When you want me to end something. Or start something. Or, you know, you have these, these markers that I cannot progress past because I'll get yelled at. I can't say page turn. No, you can't. I can't say the goodbyes. No, you can't. I can't say hellos. No, when did you become Christopher Walken? Yeah, I'm walking through <laughs> this podcast unsure of where I can step without anything coming back at me. All right, we don't need to start the episode with the way the last episode ended, okay? We're letting Fiery. Apocalypse and Genesis go for right now. Let's instead be Mother Righteous and Dr. Stasis. Ugh. can we be scott and gene no they're still fighting definitely not maybe maybe jamie and layla Mm. he he messes up here and there but he's still lovable and he means well like me (laughs) tell us the rundown alicia all right i can't tell us the rundown either (laughs) (laughs) okay so we are talking about X-Men Unlimited number 94, X-23 Deadly Regenesis number 5, X-Men number 24, and The Sinister Four number 1. X-Men Before the Fall, The Sinister Four number 1. Oh, you know. But before all those comics, both Digi and Tangi, we talk about... The news. News! It's news. 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 It's the news. News. News time. <laughs> A little Sinister Four history lesson. Oh. Marvel is dissecting those two questionable pages, I'd call them. You know, we're not going to go through it right now because we're going to go through it later. But there's two pages side by side. Mm. Stasis, Mother Righteous, and the various the ways points. that they have influenced. The, the ways that they've been there all along, which some people don't like. Well, that's what retcons are for. Yeah, sure. It's just when you make a big sweeping retcon with, you know, you basically touch the tent poles of the Marvel Universe mm. in those two pages. I can understand it. I can understand yeah, it. Yeah, kind of a big deal. Yeah, you know, it's a big, it's a big ad, but kind whatever. Kind of a big deal. Whatever. Hey, there was so that's an article on Marvel.com. So they're breaking down those two pages. Those two pages. Those that's time how, points. That's how you, hey, what, what goes on in these pages? Well, that's good. I who should do, read that are article because are you going to tell me when I'm we tell talk you. about it? Good, because I was like, I know that that's apocalypse. That's it. Oh, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> San Diego Comic Con panels. We're announced. Hey, we're going to San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, we are. There is a designing the X Men panel. Ooh, it's got a, a hodgepodge of X Men involved creators. Very exciting editors, designers. I think a Josh as well, and a Great. handful of others. We love Josh. Yep, Marvel and the next big thing. And what, what I just saw today, the Spider Man Two. The video game will have a oh. panel on Thursday. It's in Hall H, which is what I've been told is crazy, even without all the nonsense. But yeah, we'll see. I don't know anything about San Diego Comic Con. 
It's our first time. Yeah, well, even before we went to New York Comic Con for the first time, copious amounts of research. Yes, that's why we work well together. I bring the spontaneity and you bring the planning. Yes. Just like this podcast. Yes. Yes. Wah-ha-ha-ha. Hey, did you see Dazzler's Hellfire Gala look? Oh, yes, I did. Me that and was Curls were talking about it today. Popping off left and right. So amazing. So much better than her, her first one. Russell Dodderman. A genius. He kills it every time. You know, it's like he wanted to be a fashion designer, but then you know, I'll just settle as a comic book artist. Are you saying that's... That's not a true statement. That's just what you're getting from his designs. I'm pretty sure he had an interest in costume design. Oh, cool. Well, that makes sense. Not necessarily that that was the passion of his life's work, but like a cool Like a hobby point. on the side. Right, right. Well, now a, a meeting point. You get the Russell Dodderman it's treatment. literally and, the best. His looks are always the like, best wow. ones. There's another, a couple of handouts, uh, a couple of standouts though. The Mystique. Well, yeah. In Destiny of this year. Even Joshua Xavier's looking Kizarra. fine. Even Xavier's looking good compared to the first one. Oh, that was also Joshua Casara. <laughs> the first one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, the first one, uh, I don't know. I don't know. They're elder statesmen of Krakoa. That story still cracks me up when he was like, they just wanted a ton of ideas, so I threw one in there. That was the most ridiculous thing I could imagine, and they chose that they one. went for it. Hey, there was a, a bit of a flub, a blink and you'll miss it. Ooh. Regarding the Hellfire Gala, potentially, <gasps> potentially, a flub, a flub of with the gala with a reveal of sorts <gasps> that was otherwise hidden. Your, Scandal. Your gasps, your surprise makes me think that you have not noticed. It. I have not. You, you did not see it in the issue. In the issue. <gasps> Ooh, intrigue, mystery. Tell me more on the Hellfire Gala, twenty twenty three cover by Phil Noto. Yes. You have everybody standing there and all their greats. You got Jean. You got Emma in the front. Nimrod yeah. hanging out mm-hmm. in the background. Every image that we've seen of that cover has had a stamp on it in a very strategic location. The same location every time. A little Hellfire Gala stamp. You what issue is this in? You're asking for the photo, but you do know what I'm talking about, right? The stamp. Yes. The stamp the, in the, the bottom left. Oh, I see. In the or- There's an Orcus bubble. Or are you talking about the Hellfire Gala Hellfire Gala stamp. stamp. Okay. That is not there when you see the next preview for the Hellfire Gala. It is not in X-Men. It is in Sinister Four. It is. And look who you see revealed underneath that stamp with a little bow tie. The Juggernaut. And so... I, I don't know if that was intentional, guys. I think that was a real but mistake. But Kate, Kate is in this image. She's not in the original. Yeah, she is. She is? Yep. Hmm. Everything else is the same. Except for that guy. Who, I mean, you telling me who won or you telling me who won? Guess what? I voted for the right person. Uh, Charles is going to be so mad. You're going to be so happy. You're not. That, that's great. That's great. If you didn't see it. Go look for it now. If you have no idea what we're talking about, I'm sorry. I tried to explain <laughs> it. I don't know. There's been photos of Ryan Reynolds in his Deadpool suit filming for Deadpool 3. Yes. And rumors, which I don't know if I really want to get into because there's rumors and it's true and it's kind of a spoiler, but there's rumors of a cameo 
Ah, by that... a certain Magic Mike star? Oh, all right. So you've heard this one. Oh, yeah. This one I've heard. Oh, of course. You know, Channing Tatum comes up in the news and is like, hey, what's up? What's going on, Channing? So there's a rumor. I know what's up when it comes to Channing Tatum, okay? The, the rumor is that Gambit might make an appearance in this movie. That's pretty big. I like that rumor. You know, I was interested. I was, you know, initially I was like, what? That makes no sense. That's not Gambit. <laughs> It still doesn't make any sense, but I was willing to watch it in the same way I was willing to watch anything Fox did. Oh, they were going to make a Gambit movie with it just a, him. I yes, remember a that solo now. Movie. This yeah. was years ago. It was canceled because of the, the deal with Disney. Right. And, you know, better judgment Yeah, prevailed. I don't know. Like, I love Channing Tatum. I don't see in him. In certain 21 dance Jump Street? movies and 21 Jump Street. 22 Jump Street? Yeah. Hilarious. I just don't know that he... He's like, like goofy charming, but not the right kind of like suave. Not at all. He doesn't have that gambit. He also just doesn't have the same physique. No, he's, yeah. He's, he's too bulky. He's too big. He should be the juggernaut. He could be the juggernaut. He could be the young juggernaut. The younger not. He could not be <laughs> Remy LeBeau. He could be Cable. Sure. Like Babel. Yeah, maybe, I guess. Too big. Still too big. That's all we got for news, but... We do have personal news. Personal news. A time to share. What, do you have anything to share? Why don't you go first? I got I got three things I wrote down. Yeah, good. You go first. I only have one. So I don't need to say them all. You do now. We need to hear them all. Because then my... there's going to be this like, what was the other news? Well, sometimes I just I just jot something down and I'm like, yeah, this happened to me. It's not really news, but I got I got to have something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I like options and I look them at I'm looking up at my my little things and I'm like, okay, buzz cut. This is the first one. Oh, God. I had Alicia cut my hair again because I had the one haircut right. paid for by the $40 I found. Right. Only only haircut I've gotten since the start of COVID. And Alicia would not buzz my hair. I didn't want to. She didn't want to. She. I had to plead. I had to beg. Please, because it looks so much better when someone else does it. But it looks good enough when you do it. <laughs> and it saves me an hour of time and $25 plus tip. <sighs> She told me it made me look like uh, a rowdy teenager. Like Sid from Toy Story. As if that was to make me not want the haircut more. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? That is the spirit that lives in my soul. A rambunctious teenager up to no good. Uh, that What? Yeah. <laughs> you thought that that would help? I don't know what I thought. We were on our way home on Saturday and we just happened upon a classic car show. Oh my God. That was the best. That's like joint news. Sure. I live for a car show. I love old cars. I don't. Old cars, know old music. Why? By the water. It was really nice. It was I really found great. the car of my dreams. Keep, Someone else owned it. Keep dreaming. I know. One day <laughs> I'll have a vintage car. Yeah, and by that time, the 2000s will be vintage. No, I want like a 1950s <laughs> car, 1960s car, maybe. There were my, my third one. Third news. There was some progress made in the Nerd Lounge with some art being hung. So the Green Lagoon poster from Josh hung up, up, added in a Luciano Vecchio poster of the Krakoans coming from that egg. Yes, that's a great one. I don't know the artist of the third one that we hung, but it is amazing. That was like one of the first art pieces from one of the first cons that we went to. It was from New York. Yeah. One of the years. Yeah. That's my news. That's great news. It's all the news that you snooze. Cut that. (laughs) Keep it. Wrap it up.
my news is centered around the Hellfire Gala as well. Because this morning I was making a reel and I was doing some calculations in order to see how long we had until we leave for San Diego Comic-Con. Today's Thursday, July 6th. We have 13 days until we leave. However, I'll be popping up to the lake to visit my family just, you know, like four days before that. So I have like a week to finish my Hellfire Gala costume. If you leave me with something to finish while you're gone, I'll I'll work on it. Don't trust you. <laughs> Love you, but you will not be trusted with the finishing touches. Great. Good. Um, that but was my disingenuous. My shoes came in today and I love them. They are like chunky heels and I put them on and I was like, "Oh my god, these are so comfortable and they're so cute." And now I'm going to Put something, I'm going to add accessories to them. And I'm not going to be able to wear them in real life. Uh, Maybe you got to get another pair. Probably. But I won't. I don't really wear heels unless it's for cosplay anymore. <laughs> but that's my news is, uh, I mean, I've got, I've made progress. I've put items on my body. It's not just on the dress form anymore. Nice. But there's still some pretty hefty pieces that need to be sorted out. So, well, concerning. <laughs> but I'll get it done. And I am unsure what I will be doing other than being your handler. <laughs> yeah, you will definitely be being my handler. Uh, you know, maybe I'll wear a shirt. <laughs> That'd be nice. Are you ready to talk about the poll results? Yeah, let's talk about them. Two comics in the poll. The Sinister this Four and X-Men. One. It was. It was a tough one when I posted it initially. Oh, gosh. Okay. I think, I think X-Men won. What percentage? 52%. 60, 40, X-Men to the Sinister Four. I knew it was going to be tight, but people love X-Men. So you can count on that one to be the winner. Boom. Well, you know, Immortal usually takes it, and this is basically being treated as Immortal's annual. It's going to be packaged in, or at least by Karen's newsletter, it's going to be packaged in the next trade of Immortal issues. I mean, that makes sense with how it goes back in the with how the timelines you know link up time for x-men unlimited x-men unlimited we're going to space our fams we're going to space but also we're gonna go say hi to forge who really wants nothing to do with any of us which it's funny because reed also wanted to talk to forge in a previous issue and he's just all happy and forge just says "Reed, reed you know i'm not interested in any of this why are you in my lab they go there so they can get the ship, so that they can go to find the Mad Rocks, Madrox, and... In Talahun. Yeah, and and the baby is just like, bad daddy. I like, love does that. not want to be there at and all. And knows that this is not his right. home. This is not actually his father. The fact that he can see the dupes. There was some really interesting psychology of Jamie in light of his dupes. You know, mm. seeing the the negative emotions run wild in these dupes and wanting to have grown and changed since his first encounter with Reed and the Fantastic Four, wanting to show that he's made progress, but then now they're roped into this journey across right. the stars. And and acknowledging that there has to be some of this desire to be evil, this tomfoolery in him because he created this dupe originally. So 
And then there was like the dupe of the dupes. Yeah, right. And not knowing like the connection really to it and just, yeah, really interesting for him to reflect on himself. But as far as plot goes, we make it to space. We're trying to save. Ambush. And then we're ambushed. One point that I did like was that, you know, Jamie is is apologizing for being himself to Reed and he's like, I just wanted to like prove myself to you because you're so perfect. And Reed laughs and then Sue is like, <laughs> let me tell you all the terrible things he's recently that Reed done. has recently done to our family. So it's like cool for Jamie to get that kind of mirror into, or you know, like when you see, you ha- hold a person up on a pedestal, you don't see their flaws and then to have them pointed out to say like, no, he's he's still human and he still makes mistakes. Don't meet your heroes, kids. Yeah. They'll let you down. Yep. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. Ooh, name that movie. Sandlot. Thank goodness. Writer and artist Jason Liu, colors Antonio Fabella, letters Travis Lanham. VCs Travis Lanham. What'd you think? Are you, are you on this? Are you in on this? Are you going on the space ride? Are you I going on the this, forever ship? I like this issue more than the others. So great. I mean, that Good. was what you said last time too. So it's getting better. We're on the ups. I think it started great. I was in it from the start. Day one. I was like, let's go, Jamie. You got some crazy <laughs> ideas. I like what Jason's been doing in these unlimited arcs. I'm here for it. I like that he's making his own little continuity, his own little thing to play in. Yeah. And tying in more and more Marvel. The fact that the Fantastic Four are here. They're like huge Marvel property. The first family. Huge. Huge. All right, whatever. It's time for X-23. Deadly Regenesis number five. With the intense hand action. The squishing of the kingpin. Of the kingpin. Or the kingpin to... squishing her skull. Are we high level or what, what are we doing? Yeah, let's, let's high level it. Although I did really enjoy this issue. I did too. I thought it was a really solid ending to this arc. And if you've been following along, if you've enjoyed where this is going, I felt like this did it justice. And you called it. I totally called it. So last night when we were recording our Patreon episode, I was like, obviously what's going to happen here is that Jordan, that's their name, right? Yeah. That Jordan is going to team up with Laura and be like, oh, Kingpin, let's hate him together and then destroy him. Well, spoiler alert, jeez. I mean, that's, that's, what that's what happened to the book. Okay. We, Ceremonial page turn noise. Yeah, yeah, Because they, they were, we left them squaring off against Wilson. Well, it, I don't know if it felt like a square off. It was more like, hey, we're going to take you into this room and guess who's here? I mean, Kingpin. they were squaring off. Kingpin right. was just chilling in his whites. You know, yes. I'm, I'm in a suit. You're not going to scuff this. Well, we've started with a title page. The past... Haunts Us All, Part 5. Written by Erica Schultz, art by Edgar Salazar, colors Carlos Lopez, letters Corey Petit. VCs Corey Petit. Kalman Androsovsky on the cover. Yes, so as you said, we've got this face off and, and Kingpin stands there with his little like, ha ha ha, there's no way you could defeat me. And honestly, Laura's making a good effort until Kimura shoots her. Sure. I mean, that, that's going to take down most most folks, especially ones even with a healing factor that's been on the fritz. But Jordan, surprise, surprise, runs to her aid and they have a little moment 
where they're both like there for each other. Right. And Kingpin has a little moment where he's like, he's pissed. Oh my God. He's so mean. He's like, Jordan, I barely remember anybody that I have killed. Okay. I am not some street thug. I am the Kingpin. And then he looks at Laura and he's like, but you remember everything, don't you? Yes. And it's like, that's so terrible. That's so messed up. You remember every kill, correct? And then the dummy dum-dum who Laura fake killed, and she said, hey, lay low, man, decides, I'm going to go on the news and let the world know that I'm alive. Blow the cover and say, JK, LOL, Laura didn't do what she was supposed to. And guess who that makes mad? Everyone. Everyone. Literally everybody. The two heroes, I guess we'll call them that because mm. they're at least on the same side. They're being carted off and decide to do a little diversion with the attack and launch into a counter on their captors and take down all of the guards that have surrounded them. Yes. And they make a run. Jordan wants to take Kingpin, but Laura's like, hey, let's... let's." We can take kingpin together in parts you know but you gotta go save all those people who are hopped up on drugs because i can't do that these claws they're made from murder (laughs) but she's not murdering i do like this story progression that we have over the next few pages so we have three different threads four if you count burnham that we're getting snaps in of okay so this is what laura's doing as She's fighting through people. This is what Jordan's doing as they're trying to free the scientists. Kimora as she's plotting her getaway. And then Kingpin as he's intercepting that getaway and claiming that helicopter for himself. Yes. And it's fiery. It's action packed. It's fast paced. I really enjoyed, you know, going through this this story. And then we get the face off. Laura versus Kimora. And what does Laura do but spray the spray, which takes away your powers? Inhibitor spray. Inhibitor spray. And then they're, you know, Kamora's like, ha ha, you idiot. Proceeds to wail on her, not needing her powers. Yeah, she's like, I don't need my powers to defeat you. And we get just one of those little flashback moments that we like so much that's like a parallel of a time that Kamora was given a beatdown to... Laura, and she's like, I taught you too well. And And do you think she made the right choice here? I mean, she talks about regretting it or potentially going to regret it in the end. She lets Kimura live and she makes up. And I mean, this really is the underscore of Laura as a character through this arc is that she's a hero and she's trying to be better than her training. Yeah, I think that she did make the right choice because I do think that, you know, this woman is evil and she does manage to escape before the authorities get there. But I think that if Laura killed her, she would have more so regretted that she let her anger take her back to that place which she's trying to get away from you know like if anyone could trigger her to do that this would be the situation and I think the fact that she didn't shows a lot of good strength and character development for her yeah you know who would have killed her though Logan Logan for sure 100% (laughs) Laura misses her flight as the kingpin (laughs) flies off she tries to jump for it and just misses it and falls that, down that like, probably is like that doesn't happen often enough like right. superheroes or superpower people will do these ridiculous feats and jump off buildings and they always land and you gotta know that sometimes they don't make it right and to have her pride be the thing that's really hurt you know I, i'm not here to fight i'm here to help jordan with the save 
Yes. As they go off to Mercy Medical Center 36 hours later, and we get some closure to the story. They make amends, Laura and Jordan, as well as going to a share, a circle for survivors who have lost. And Jordan tells the story of their brother. Which I think is really beautiful. And and a really nice way to end, right? Yes. This this healing thing. It feels like a nice, solid story. There's nothing explicitly next, but the editors do do a nice montage of, hey, you could read this omnibus. That would give you some more of this X-23 story. You could could go to X-Force where she is currently or in X-Men where a variant of hers of some sort exists. Right. What do you think? I really loved this story. I definitely started out grumpy about it because I felt like it was very much a Wolverine story and uh, as in like a Logan story. And I still feel that way. But, you know, I I thought a lot about what you said the last time we talked about it, which is like you could really put any hero in this arc of, you know, battling past demons. And I needed to get over myself a little bit in the comparison and as the story progressed, just like the example you just said, that like Logan definitely would have killed Kamara, right. like I was able to see more of a through line of who Laura as a character is, which differentiates her from Logan, but also what ties her to being a Wolverine. So I'm not taking back my feelings. I'm just saying that I processed them throughout this and I accept the story as an individual Laura story. Well, then I guess that's the best we can hope for. And it definitely makes me want to read more X-23 comics. Cool. We have them all on Marvel Unlimited. Pop, pop. I'm glad of the ending. It felt natural to where the story was going. They realized the greater evil manipulating them both and teamed up for it, which I thought was great. I think it's an interesting character relationship to see brought up again in current comics, right? So we have Laura and Wilson on Krakoa currently. Yes. Until, you know, it all gets lit up in flames and everybody dies or oh, runs away. I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Right. But Wilson is supposedly going to be or he's got a Hellfire Gala look. It's on a variant cover for oh, Daredevil. That's we'll crazy. We'll see. So, the other thing that's interesting is you know, all of these stories that are little nuggets of past continuity or past comics that don't necessarily affect anything in the future but they're like little plugs of missing spaces right we had the gambit and row story we have storm right now we had the uh bishop story we've got this one like all of these little things i don't know what the thing is and i'm wondering if you know or have any insight on what makes some of them feel successful versus others because all of them are stories that happen in these little like pockets of time that don't have an impact but why do we like some more than others, do you think? I think that it needs to have a moving story for the main character because you're not going to have an impact regardless of how hyped up you tease it. Right. right. You're only going to show me something new. And I don't think Jordan existed as a character prior. Right. I didn't know much about Kimora. Right. And so I feel like especially this was a benefit to you because... Laura's history is a complete unknown. Right. So anything you could say, like, oh, wow, new Laura content, right? That's great. Right, yeah, yeah. Whereas I feel like the patch one was a little stuck in itself. It probably could have been three issues rather than five. But I think what's interesting, maybe, right? So in patch, we had those new characters Mm -hmm. that were created. But 
I don't think we learned enough about them for it to be for their story to feel complete. I think that what's interesting is like Gambit, the Gambit one, right? We met Melissa and her mother and we had this. They had a whole arc. They had a whole arc within that. So even though it's about these title characters, we're getting to meet and understand another character's perspective that we wouldn't have otherwise met. Mm -hmm. And maybe the ones that don't feel as successful don't give us enough of that. Yeah. Which is interesting. I'm trying to think back. Uh, I mean, Extreme X-Men... That was okay. That was interesting. I, I'm more interested in the characters in that story, so that, mm. that helped. And uh, yeah, I think it also just depends on the character, the characters you're drawn to, right? Because in Extreme X Men, there was the whole like battle that Kitty was having, and yeah, then like Ogun, was she dead? Right. And like, and I had actually read Kitty Pride and Wolverine, right. so I was connected so that to connected that to nostalgia, which is the goal of these. Right. You know, that was a reaction from a couple of folks last week. Like, what's the point of these? It's it's nostalgia yeah. fodder. It's just something for your brain to be like, all right, comics are fun again. Right. They don't have to be big and heady. And they can Not be. Not all that's the great. time. That's great. Sometimes they can be. This reminds me of classic X-Men or X-Men classics. Mm. So they were starting to republish old issues. So issues that had come out in the 70s and what... Claremont would do when he was because he was still writing the book mm-hmm. he would write this new story in the back so it was like a, a little character vignette a handful of pages that would tell you what was going on at this point between the you know the, the fact that Storm and Jean always said that they were best friends but we had no right. connection Since to that what? story right right well <laughs> then he shows you an exchange between the two of them actually becoming friends and, then, cool. and then there's a story of Colossus meeting someone that he falls in love with uh, Nightcrawler really struggling with his image inducer. The the trick with it, and I would love to see this start to happen here, and it's kind of my point about Laura and Wilson, Claremont started to then use this continuity that he was creating in these backup stories actively in the new stories that he was writing. Right. So it would be so cool if there was some kind of rift between the two of them on Krakoa. Right. So if you didn't read the classics, if you only knew the original issue, you would have no idea what was coming up in this reference of like, oh, as seen in X-Men classics or classic X-Men because it did change. That's why I'm doing that back and forth. Uh, you wouldn't know. Right. I just think that that would be a really cool thing to start to do is, okay, you know, whatever it is, let's see a nugget payoff. Yeah, and they kind of did that like in in the Gambit and the well, Gambit story, like then Storm and the next story had like a little flavor right. of yeah. So it was referencing itself, and right. it did benefit from the fact that it was the same author and right. that's still Claremont, who you know just loves. So it's just more people need to be Claremontian. Sure, I mean that that's a fact. <laughs> well, yes and no. You win some, you lose some. You know, comics has changed as a medium. Back in the nineties, no. <laughs> Oh, good gravy. We don't have any questions on this. We're just stalling because we only have two books that we're talking about. No, we're not stalling. No, that was a good, was a conversation. good conversation. Yeah, that was good. I, I say things sometimes. I don't mean them. <laughs> the jokes. So, I mean, the question at hand now is do we swap the order? Because of the poll. Because of the, well, it's because of the poll, but also, I don't know. I, I don't know where I lean. I make the order before I read them. We all know this, so I can deny any responsibility for it being quote unquote wrong. But <laughs> do we. <laughs> Do we dive into the Sinister Four? Oh, actually, we do have a general question from Captain 2 Michael. Okay, let's let's do that first before we make any crazy decisions. 
Michael would like to have us name a team and what their role is on Krakoa. So like, or, or in the X-Men role world. So his a team idea that doesn't exist yet. It doesn't exist. Right. Okay. So, so something, it doesn't have to have, you don't have to have the people on it, just a concept Got it. to then play it. And his was rescue X, which is basically mutant first strike, but all the time so that you have a team of dedicated mutants saving the world from natural or unnatural disasters Akin to X-Men, but more humanitarian focus. I think that's great. That's cool. Let's see. I got one. Okay. I would love to see something in the vein of the Morlocks, but for the people who never bought into Krakoa. So what what is going on with the folks? We only have like little pieces here and there, right? We have Morgan in the New Mutants. We have you know a couple of folks that just, they did not buy into the promise of Krakoa. They never did. Where did they go? What did they turn to? Did they mm-hmm. form communities and societies? Have they faced even more persecution because of Krakoa and that narrative? Is there a new Morlocks? We know that the Morlocks currently they're on Madripoor and I think in Arizona on a, on a golf course. On a golf course, right? Touchdown. Uh, but what happens to the people who aren't a part of Krakoa's bounty? Mm. Okay, mine is Sub X Men. And it's an underwater team that fends off like all the things that happen on the edge of Krakoa and in the sea. Like underwater. Their base is underwater. They're there all the time. They're like dealing with Namor once in a while. I would assume all of the time because that's his space. He has dominion over. Or maybe Namor is like pro Krakoa if he can run an underwater X-Men team. You, you've you read X-Men Red, the original one? Taylor's version? <laughs> Taylor's version. <laughs> yes. No, I know what I said. That's a, that's a <laughs> T-Swift reference for you all. Oh, the Swifties out there. Um, yes, I, I did at one point. <laughs> no, a I while don't. Ago. I'm, I'm being fair with my Abslantis. Yes. The name that Gabby calls Namor because he's yes. on the team and their base is underwater in Atlanta. So, but I, I would love to see that brought into Krakoa because that was a great team dynamic and lineup that didn't get enough runway in my mind. Well, I need to think of something else then because I didn't really <laughs> that, remember that, that, that was a real team already. You know, it, it, nothing about Krakoa because it wasn't a thing, but Cassandra Nova, she's there. Magneto helmets for everybody. Okay, Krakoa P.I., they're, they're private investigators that you can hire that are mutants, but they can they solve human problems. All right. They're not for other mutants. They're not X-Factor, because that already exists, even though it doesn't anymore. Right. And they're not X-Factor investigations. It's like SVU, but for mutants serving humanity. All right. They can work in tandem with the Rescue X Local team. police area too yeah all right cool all right so oh gosh all right let's do it let's talk about sinister four wow i just did it i just made a quick quick rip the band-aid decision it's probably (laughs) my favorite cover of the i don't know if you all listen to our patreon episode from last night we go really in depth about what every single shocked facial expression on this cover really means yes it's quite fun. Um, but this is a great cover. I love seeing 
the council with the looming Sinister Four over them. Taste of betrayal. And I also think it's interesting that the Sinister Four has this like red tint to them, even though they're not all red right. well, associated. You also think about the Sinister Dominion and how that had a, a red blockade when... Oh, which is so interesting. This issue really grinds my gears because there's so much redacted information. But it's interesting because you know it's not sinister. So if you're going to go with that, then does that mean that it's Mother Righteous? I have some theories. Ooh, he has some theories. We'll get to them. All right, shall we dig in? Page, turn, noise. Get you some history. Little courtship. I loved this. Oh, really? I did. The humanization of Nathaniel Essex. I liked seeing him. I don't know. It was very Bridgerton. It was a very Bridgerton moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, 1852. Uh, <laughs> marrying above your station. The thing that I... Pagan passions. The thing that, that kind of bothered me is I'm pretty sure, and I could completely be wrong, and this could be like a really dumb thing to say, but I'm pretty sure that the tradition of an engagement ring and a proposal in that regard is an American tradition and didn't happen in the like in 1852 that is not how he would especially have especially in London you're saying yeah the first well-documented use of a diamond ring to signify engagement was by the Archduke Maximilian of Austria okay never mind in the Imperial Court of Vienna in 1477 all right well just Wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> well, Rebecca is here talking all about her pagan passions. These gods that she's read about, these stories. She loves her stories. She loves She loves stories. a yarn. As Nathaniel is dropping some bars, some poetry of the heart to woo her to his side. because He he's... wants her to be his forever. Yes, there's a love between them, and he wants the moon. You ask for the moon, I do. We deserve nothing less. Yes, Nathaniel, my, my heart, heart is yours. is yours for always. For always. For always. T-t-t-title page. Never die, never part. Lonely Hearts Club. Written by Karen Gillan, art by Paco Medina, colors Edgar Delgado and Fer Cifuentes Sujo, Letters, Clayton Coles. Feces, Clayton Coles. Covered by Lucas Wernick. Ah, cut to present day. Oh, he's a bundle of nerves, that Stasis. Stasis is getting ready to have Mother Righteous over for dinner. He does not look intimidating right now. Like, he just, I have always thought that he looked like a like a cool villain with his floating yes, skull head but and, right the, and now the energy. He is trying to woo his love. He is trying to remind her. Look at the parallels of how he looks now compared to how Nathaniel Essex looked in those first few pages. Oh, yeah, you know, the he's definitely going jacket, for it. The jacket, the similar hair. He's not trying to be his villainous self. He's trying to woo and court. I don't like it. He looks like a like a, a plump older man on British Parliament. Oh, I kind of feel sad for him. Yeah. Because he really, he terrible, really terrible loves her. If you think about, too, like so much of his story that we've seen of him trying to bring back this family. You read the last couple of pages, right? Like, Yeah, I know. He doesn't really <laughs> love her. Jesus. He's making me believe that he really loves yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. In he's this selling moment. it on thick. They're both playing games. Quit playing games with her. All right. Anyway, 
she's here, he's here. He's like, what's up, baby? Want to have dinner with me? Here's my conditions. So really what this is about is her getting in good with Orcus. That's what it's always been about, right? She wants she wants that next level of the ring and to be in, or, or not necessarily be a part of it, as we find later on, right. but to have an in to what they're up to, what their she dealings are. She just wants are. to know what's up. She's she wants to have to her know, hands in everybody's business. Right. She needs to know where the strings are to know where to pull. How can I puppet you? The ownership of the world comes with its benefits, Rebecca. Nah, his mother righteous. Get yeah. that name out your mouth. You don't, you haven't earned the respect and the trust to use the R yet. Get your dead wife's name. Yeah. Out your mouth. <laughs> Stop. Contact. Uh, th- this detail. Our contacts on Krakoa know that you're basically a front runner for the next year's X-Men team. Yeah. What? What contacts on Krakoa? First of all, what? And also, I, I am not surprised by that being a statement that everybody loves Mother Righteous on Krakoa because we've seen it. Right. It's just who the contacts are. And I think Shaw is a very safe bet. Except he's working for Mother Righteous or right. working with Mother right. Righteous. So I, maybe it would have to be someone else. It's not Colossus. It's not Colossus. He's working with Mikhail unless they've connected dots off panel. Who is it? Do you have ideas? Do you have thoughts? Do you have theories? I have one for the one in X-Men that gets referenced, but that's, I feel like, been talked about as well. But mm. no, and I don't want to. I'd like to be surprised. What? Okay, well, he's got conditions. In order to get what you want from me in regards to Orcus, I need the moon. the moon and a dinner date. And she's not into it, but this love-struck stasis, this this boy just playing. I think that there's a part of him that really, truly does want her to be in love with him. I think if she was to change her tune and this dinner date was to work and woo her in the way that he wanted, I think he would tell her all his plans and sort of like leave Orbis in the dust. You think so? I do. I think the way that he acknowledges her tone shifts, the fact that she is playing him only makes him want to double down the fact that he's playing a longer game. Right. And, but, and sure, yeah, if if she wasn't playing games. Exactly. I think if, if she was actually to be like, no, secretly I do love you too. Like, I think that he, I think deep down in his soul, he wants that. I think he knows it's not going to happen. So I he's think, continuing to play her. But I think deep down in his soul, he knows he truly does represent Nathaniel Essex who forsake his entire family to continue his pursuits in science. That it is not, the love for his wife was never actually there. So this is just... A fantasy or a play it was there initially but I, I just don't see i don't see it look at his face when she turns into when she puts that dress on yeah i'm not saying that she's not hot i'm not saying he's not down Ugh. but he's got bros before hoes you know how rude he's got his plans he's a businessman B- business plan <laughs> yes doesn't even matter this is, this is his game though like this is hey what are you reading like this is terrible Trivial conversations. And, and, well, like let's talk about your your career goals, world domination, and let's share on how things are going with each other. I think it's so interesting that she calls out that Orcus can't be your full plan. Like you have to have something else that you are explicitly working on. Right. She she says she doesn't know me, but she knows me so well. Well, because they are one in the same. Yes and no. 
right? Like they are different parts of the same man. So they, they, I think that's one thing that all of the Sinister Four have in common, which is that they are all playing multiple hands at once. Yes, but I do think that what's revealed later in this issue that she isn't necessarily a subdivision of Nathaniel the man, but everything that he wanted for his wife. Mm-hmm. Pursuit of her passions without his interference. Would you you eat in this Hulk steak? No. No? <laughs> Too green? That's rude. You can eat the Hulk. I don't think it's actually made from the Hulk. I think it's made from genetics of the Hulk because Stasis has everything. As we get into this double page spread. So these are our, our stasis seeds okay. and our mother's meddlings. All right, stasis seeds. Ready? Let's see if I can figure them out. Is the first one Captain America? You know it. Okay. The second one, I don't know what that one is. BB. Look at that orange shirt and those green rays coming at him. We just ate a steak. Oh. That's Bruce, Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. As he's about to become the Incredible Hulk. This is where some of the this deep retcon breaks down for me. That third one, you have to get that one. I do. The glasses, the vest. Oh, is it Peter Parker? That's Peter Parker, all right. Oh. And this fourth one, it's very Cohen referential. Think, <laughs> think X-Men issue five by Jonathan Hickman. Is that the vault? That is the vault. That is the children of the vault. So he's saying he's responsible for the children of the vault? He has had some hand and awareness in these four instances of post-humanity. That's his bag, is advancing humans into a secondary state. So what this is saying is like, he was part of the team who made Captain America. He was part of the team who helped... Whether he was a part of the team that did these things or he was present to usher them forward or had some kind of prior knowledge that this would happen somehow, I'm not sure. Okay. All right, so that's his. Yep. Now, are we saying Mother Righteous woke up Apocalypse? We're saying that she was doing things while Apocalypse was resting. So her thing is all about magic, right? Mm -hmm. So things tied to the magical. Celestial powers could be magic, but also Apocalypse's history is in the magics. Twins. Is that Wanda's children? Yes, it is. Those are Wanda's kids, Billy and Tommy. She's reading them a bedtime story? She's maybe. I'm not sure of the direct nature of her involvement in any of these things or if she is just kind of a a specter, a ghost of some kind that's there. And okay, so she's reading or or writing writing, the dark hole? Yep. Or or maybe copying as you see behind her or something. And I don't know who this devil man is. I feel like I should because it looks like vaguely familiar to me. He kind of looks like Ogun, but he is Belasco. And that was the one that I did need confirmation of. I, I was thinking like Ogun, I was thinking Belasco. I was like, who who got a silver mask and is messing with magic? Magic with a K specifically. Oh. Belasco, the former ruler of, of Limbo. Limbo. Interesting. Okay, so I understand why there's some sort of like outrage about these things. But I think that what is... Key to remember in all of the, especially Dr. Stasis ones, more more so feels like it makes sense to me that a man whose purpose is to advance scientific discovery of of like post-humanity would be 
in a think tank of people who would make a super soldier serum, who would mess with gamma radiation, who... He, I, I feel like... The Peter Parker one's a stretch. I feel like he's not there for Peter Parker to be Spider-Man. I feel like he's there messing with whatever's happening with the spider that happens to bite Peter. Yeah, but that wasn't an intentional design, at least in the original. That was Spider drops into the rays, gets affected, and then bites Parker. Well, what is this machine? Right. So, so like maybe he's, he's there on? working on that machine and he just sure. happens to be there when Peter was it, bit. It's just characters that were created less than two years ago have now been seeded throughout the entire Marvel Universe. And I totally understand why that's like, ugh, why, why are you now tying? And especially there's some waning interest on the number of Sinisters, right? Mm. And, and just the, the fact that we have four of them that are scheming everywhere. Well, I think that, okay, just to like sort of play devil's advocate, but also... As a person who doesn't feel as tied to the past of the comics, right? Because I didn't read them. I know that they're there and that's like... The Holy Bible. Exactly. What was grown up upon. Right. That's very sacred. But... Sacrilege. It does make sense. If you're going to say that these characters have been around for all of this time, you can't just assume that they haven't been doing anything. Yeah, but they've been doing everything. They've been doing literally everything Marvel important. It just, I think there's a, a an in between that we didn't hit. Okay. Now let's talk about what we know about Sinister, about th- this little thing on our forehead. Yeah. Right. These, these little people. When did you first become aware of Sinister? When did you first become aware of the other one, Orbis? Who? Oh, the way he just acts like he has no idea who Orbis is. Right. Look yeah. at him with his his Hulk meat falling out of his mouth. Yeah. Has no idea. who Orbis who? What do you mean pretending? And now we get, get a little bit more personal about the history that they knew. What is their story and how they came to be here? It is interesting to kind of think, all right, all of them gained consciousness at similar times, but also at different times because they didn't know of each other. So they left the room without knowing of each other. Or did they not like did their memory not kick in until after that or like you know like for all of them it has to be a little bit different and also you wonder were they programmed with certain memories to you know because of his desire to push forward post-humanity was this idea that he is the original already embedded into him by the original Nathaniel Essex maybe but also Sinister himself claims to have been there so I, I just think it's a we don't know. This is the story we've been fed in some way. So mm-hmm. whether that's the base programming that they've gotten and then, you know, they, they don't come online until they walk past a certain threshold and missed the three other broken beakers that they had popped out. Right. Of. And this is interesting because he's coming out of some like circular tube. Well, because he his history is that he is the original. His This is the story of Nathaniel Essex. And so he's saying the memories the the knowledge that he has is that he is the original. He is the almighty Nathaniel, and he has made himself in this way to control the gifts of Apocalypse and then uprise against the mutant menace. And Mother Regis says, nah, nah, sweetie. It's not true. Here, look at my book. Here's my book with some redacted pages. My book, which is Fall of the House of X by blank... But she's the one always carrying it around. Yeah, so who knows who wrote it, right? She has that library of all these books that were added from 
past lives and information and magical means. And the fact that this talks about her in the third person, so it's not her writing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's a bunch of redacted information about their plans and their plots. Right, but what we do get is recaps of what's happened so far and perspective of where it's coming from. None of them are the original and the real winner is still unknown, who has achieved this sinister dominion. But this last C chapter 12, Rise of the Powers of X. What do you think that means? Interesting. I think it ties into Powers of 10. What's issue 12? There is no issue 12. Nope. Technically, it's issue 12 of House of X and Powers of 10. <sighs> do you think Stasis reads... Like, is Stasis seeing these in redacted parts, or is Stasis reading all the words and we only get the redacted? I have no idea. He doesn't seem that impressed. He is reeling from the information. Should I thank you for the book, or you know. do you do you like how she says a thank you would be great, and he was like, everything I do is for you, right? And he does not say everything I do is in thanks to you, but he does not thank. But he does Mother not. Righteous say thank you mother righteous so because he knows so that makes you wonder how much does he know how does he know orbis how did they come connected is this some memories that moira has been able to retain and serve to him Ooh, maybe sure but let's uh let's go back to the house we were they're talking about the millbury house they're talking about the fact that so stasis believes himself to be the the prize horse the the winner of the race the the person actually pursuing nathaniel essex's machinations and trying so what does that make mother righteous lots of regrets and grief and and (laughs) all of this what he has done wrong and the things that he seems to feel that in retrospect we've never seen essex of any kind feel about their relationship but yes so have you gone back to the old family estate no neither of them have individually so let's do it together let's do it together and then we'll make a tombstone for you and our children adam and morgan i don't like that our name was morgan i felt like that was leading me in a way that i didn't need to be led why do we have to have this conversation if we had a child if if she was born what would we have named her morgan like why go through the trouble of naming her if it doesn't mean anything Later in the story. I mean, I think it's a personal detail to Rebecca. Not necessarily something that, I mean, who knows? But Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, I just more like, emotional resonance for her rather than story detail for future, but could be. Could be Karen saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there. Maybe I'll play with it later. Maybe I won't. Maybe Morgan Essex exists in some. Alternate universe. Mm-hmm. Right. Tell me your version of the history. What do you remember? This poetical science. Mother Righteous is, in fact, an ode to the love lost. She is a love song to the wife that he has lost because of his pursuits for science. That in his last days or before he were to die, he created this version of her. That's why she's the heart. Right. It's his heart. It's his heart that he essentially shattered. Look at them running away together, arm in arm in their evil villainry. Right. Well, and this this idea of like, okay, well, now flipping it to the manipulator, the schemer, and let's get back to business. Let's do the thing that we're here for. I love that he's like, oh, those little orbs, they actually do something? Not just for show. Captured gods. 
So this this god was prayed to by this group of pottery lovers. <laughs> I, I did some light research into this. And I was like, I don't know. The bell beaker culture. The beaker people. It's out there. It's real. It's real. This is Kieran referencing something, you know, something that people believed in, this god, that is now being sacrificed or used to open a gate to the beyond. And was this the Grim Reaper? It's pronounced Karen, which is basically Kieran's name. <laughs> and so this is the, the character in various religions that would usher the dead from Earth to the Netherworld. They are not the Grim Reaper, but kind of the go-between. So here's my question, because we're getting Selene Lean Lean Leanies. Selene Pants. She's coming through. Yep. I'm flipping through to the title page for a second. You know, sometimes on a title page we get that like, this issue takes place before the events of blah, blah, blah. So. We get it in the end of the issue. We do? Yep. So she's not back on the council yet? Not at this point. I knew I couldn't trust her. I knew it. She's a dirty, dirty scoundrel. Well, let's get there. Uh, all right. Well, before we can get there, we have to use pim particles to uh, take care of... And the Sinister Six shooter. But it's nothing, nothing to do with that Nathaniel, guy. Nothing to do with the diamond. This is all about Electro, Doc Ock, mm-hmm. Craven. That's a Spider-Man tie-in. He hates it. No, I don't. I love the Sinister Six. Craven the Hunter, Mysterio, Dr. Octopus, Vulture, Sandman, and Electro. We only really see the Electro bullet getting shot off. Right, because we don't get a chance to do the rest because we're going to get smacked in the face. He does make some other references that I think are interesting that I did want to look up uh, about, especially Golden Bow. Oh, this is some damnable Golden Bow stuff, isn't it? And so Golden Bow, I did look that up. A study in comparative religion is a wide-ranging comparative study of mythology and religion. So all of the different types of religion and mythologies and how different gods exist in the pantheon of gods, which we've seen tracks with Mother Righteous's history and how she's manipulating left and right in mm-hmm. size work. And then now through Sins of Sinister and, and then even here having a, a god on recall. Well, and it also tracks with her, the original Rebecca's fascination with mythology sure, and the yeah, stories right? in that way. The pagan gods of the the rivers and the the waters we're gonna throw my captain america metal pinball pinball at you right so i i couldn't replicate the aeronautic you know the the specifics of the the shield but i got pretty dang close so close to vibranium it hurts right and it doesn't matter because i also have pin particles and it's going to explode your insides and then look at them they're so close to kissing and someone else kiss 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 for the entertainment of eternal Celine. If you didn't know, you couldn't trust her before. Well, here she shows up. So the, the question is really interesting. Orcus wants Celine. Mm-hmm. But Mother Righteous is dealing with Shaw and has previously worked with Celine. So I'm just curious as to what their plot was what's their plan with this well orcus is also dealing with Kavanakaba and magic and sure needs... and they were also in cahoots with selene as well right so i think that that's their especially with morgan being not quite capable of doing magic the way that she was since she's been 
subdued yep. by Betsy, they need not only someone who can wield magic, but someone who can wield magic from inside Krakoa. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to go well. And then I did see this, like for more of what Celine has to offer, or Skeen's look at Immortal X-Men number 12, but I just wasn't sure if that meant that this happened before that. Yes. So she says that she would have come back in due time, that it actually is nice to be dead for a little while. So this is how she gets back. It's never explained in issue 12. Right. She's just like, I'm Celine. I'm Celine. I do whatever I want. I feast on the innocent. It's great. Keeps me young. And then we get another redacted, redacted page with a few little snippets of text that mean nothing. People are using each other and everybody's trying to get what they want. Mm-hmm. It's basically it. And everybody's got plans and it's all working for them. Especially for these two chuckleheads at the end. A little bro chat. You know, she mentioned you. She dropped your name. She knows of who you are, she Orbis. She told me about you. But Stasis thinks he's got the upper hand on I her and in general. literally will slap him in the face. The way this issue ends, she swore an oath to me long ago. I intend to remind her. She promised to love to honor, and to most of all, obey. I will kill you. That's not in marriage vows. There's no, I will obey you in a marriage vow. You didn't get married in the 1850s. There probably was. We have come a very long time. Actually, we haven't come that far. <laughs> Disgusting. I'm so, I was like, literally my blood boiled. Sure. When he said that, I was like, you son of a biscuit. As we get to that last page, X-Men Hellfire Gala with the teeny little juggernaut in the bottom. Mm. Dangerous. What do you think? I mean, I thought it was a great issue. I really liked getting to know the two of them on a deeper level, kind of seeing a different side of Mother Righteous. Like, really, she's always elusive and she's there and she's like, I'm Mother Righteous, haha. But like, Getting to know her a little bit more and the same thing with Stasis, like getting to know him and... What drives them. Right. Their plot, their relationship. I think they have a really interesting rapport with each other, which is cool. And then, you know, Orbis in the background is interesting. And I know that, you know, it's a little bit like, oh, this is called the Sinister Four and it's really only about the two of them. But in a sense, we already know so much about Mr. Sinister that we didn't need anything extra about him. And then I think the appeal of Orbis is how little we know about him. Mysteriousness, yeah. I also, so Warline brought that up. How is this a Sinister Four comic when it's only about two of them? I would say that it's about them figuring out their history Mm -hmm. in relationship to the other two. Yes. Right, you know, it is these two characters as your central characters in the story, but everything that they're talking about relates to Nathaniel Essex, the man, the other creations, how they play off of each other, how these pursuits are not the only pursuits for domination over the world, dominion Mm -hmm. over everything. Yeah. I thought this was good. I thought it was interesting. A handful of small bomb drops here and there with their backstories and reveals, the huge reveal of them meddling with Celine's rise to the council and all these other events throughout Marvel's history. What that means going forward, the secret alliance with Stasis and Orbis was the twist on the whole play that lets you know Mother's not the only one that's playing games. I thought it was, you know, it's interesting because you had said before how you thought this was so much better than Heralds of Apocalypse. I did. And I thought that they were very similar 
in the fact that you have two main title characters in some form of a courtship and you're getting backstory history on both pairs and how their relationship is going to fuel the upcoming conflict. Yes, but I felt like this was more inviting and very clear where we were in time points and the conversational nature of it made it more interesting to read to me. Like the Heralds of Apocalypse one felt like a narration, like an overarching, like this is the story. And this was like, we're getting the story, but we're getting these back and forth. And these two characters have much more personality. Whereas like Genesis and Apocalypse are very like, huh, this is how I feel. Thousands of years old. Right. It just It's just a different vibe. So I found this one more enjoyable. All right. I just had to bring it up. JP Didomasso wonders, which sinister do you believe has achieved dominion, if any? Right? The the big question. I mean, I just feel like it's Mother Righteous, but I also feel like it's Orbis because he's so elusive. Hmm. And if it has to be a sinister, right? Because it's always referred to as the sinister dominion. Right. But does it have to be one of these four? I think so. At this point, they're going to spend all this time on these four and it's not one of them. It's Morgan. (laughs) It's Morgan Essex. Or is it some kind of creation melding their genetics into something else? That's where my mind went with the rise of the powers of 10. What was so huge of powers of 10? Chimeras. Creating something new out of things old. It's Rasputin. Potentially. She (laughs) has something of Sinister in her. So you, do you don't think it's anyone specific? You just think it's a chimera? I think it could be. Interesting. I think that that plays to the unexpected. That adds in another section of the overall story. Yeah. Warline enjoyed the book, but hates the comic trope of an issue taking place during dinner. The fact that it just feels like it's played out in other comics, which I, I haven't seen too many times. But I get that if you don't like something, it's going to come up when you see it. Loved the character buildup of Stasis and how it connected to Essex's original backstory. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was really good. And especially how they show you this is who the man always was. And this is who he believes himself to be. Mm -hmm. And he loved how Sinister and Stasis hate mutants all because of Apocalypse. Like They they both hate mutants because of Apocalypse. Which is funny because they wouldn't exist without Apocalypse. Exactly. Right. And he's wondering why he's rooting for the Sinister power couple. And wonders if... He's alone in this. No, I'm rooting for them too. You're rooting for Stasis and Mother Righteous. Together forever. Death to the mutants. No, just... What happens when you root for them? They're the villains. They want them all dead. I don't know. I just think that I like them together So you're as a rooting, villainy team. You're rooting for their relationship, but not for them to win. I want them to be a team, but then I want them to be destroyed. <laughs> So you're not rooting for them. You're rooting for them momentarily. I am not rooting for them. <laughs> Personally, I I like them as characters, but I do not want them to win. I would love to see the mutants take them down. I would love for Mother Righteous to be exposed for the fraud that she is. Thank oh, you. Oh yeah, she needs to have that happen. LV Duart is saying, too many sinisters, guys. I need a break from all this scheming. Well, I think it's coming. I think it is too. Well, I don't know, because like, which is, and I agree, and I've heard this from other folks, right? All of the sins of Sinister, and then your main 
follow-up villains are more types of sinister. And it's really been a thread throughout the Destiny of X, these different kinds of sinisters building in the background. I don't know. I thought they were interesting, but I do see the where on it all. Hmm. Barusu33 wonders, what do you both think is on that letter Mother Righteous burned in the beginning? So I do believe that that is the ask Yes, that's to like bring a, back Celine. That's and that's like just drawing the evidence, right, right? Of Orcus saying we want Celine, and it probably says why. Right. Well, and so Baruzu also wants to know why do they want to bring Celine back? And I think that that's more manipulation in the council. Yeah, I definitely think it has to do with Orcus's ability to have a magic wielder on their side. Yeah, that's everything for this. So it's time for it's the time book of the week. The book of the week, yeah. X Men number twenty four. Pog your pog. Talking about that cover. The chaotic gator suit energy coming at you. Have we decided slash discerned why it is that Cyclops is in his nineties outfit? There is no explicit reason that we know. Just because it looks cool. Definitely does. It's him basically is kicked out of the moon biome and it's all he had in the closet <laughs> in the treehouse. And he's going back to his good old days before he settled down and did all these other things. And he's just, he's just being classic Cyclops. Oh, goodness gravy. He's just, you know, taking down threats and leading the X-Men. Well, on that note, it's time for page turn noise. <laughs> Cable is a virus. They are of Essex, and I trust them not. Moira X. Dun, dun, dun. But, you know, we got one of the Essex on our team, so what am I saying? Yeah. This was the preview page, or the first of three preview pages that I had seen. This is big, right? Babel. Coming back. Not only is Babel coming back, he's arriving 24 hours before the Hellfire Gala, which is saying, hey, y'all, Hellfire Gala is coming up. The pieces are coming together. Right. So is that to say that this entire issue takes place? Because it seemingly does. We mm. do get a point that says, hey, while that's happening, this is also happening. Yes. I think that this is like. So all of this is 24 hours before the gala. Yeah. As Cable comes in to the Orcus stronghold. There's nobody here, or maybe there is, as Moira's around the corner with Omega Sentinel. And it's like, yo, Cable, Babel can take on the two of them. Maybe. But you can't really take on Nimrod crushing your skull. With this Muhammad Ali reference as he rips off his technology, his techno-organic arm, and all of the bell supports that come with it. And puts him on ice. Right? Stasis pops in. Hey, why can't we just kill this guy? You well, can't... you kill one cable from one timeline, another cable from another timeline comes in. At least if you got this one hanging out here, the other cables think, oh, that guy's got it He's under fine. control. He's on a mission. And then we get the reveal manifold. So yeah. it, just, it feels like this series and Rogan Gambit have been in communication right. throughout like... the entire time. Right. So that one page or that, that one sequence of gambit rogue and destiny on that moon or planet mm-hmm. when they're like you have to get manifold you have to save him oh no before that next men that basically created the distaste for gambit of destiny mm-hmm. that kind of influenced the start and now this is seemingly tying it back in 
with the overall importance of saving Manifold, protecting him from his captive, right, current and, captive and nature. He's kind of in trouble where we last left him. Well, it's also interesting to look at it in relation to where Rogue is when we last left Manifold, because right. that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Right, because she's here in just a few pages. Our data page is really the TVA versus cable. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're all just aware. We're not going to tell you who you who we are, but we're uh, we're looking out for him. Now it's time for this mother future seer. This whole conversation is so interesting to me. But if if they had to say it two times in this issue, why the death of the Red Queen? They're just just trying to rip my heart out of my chest. But you know, listen, Rogue, Destiny's not being that vague. You know, so she's trying to tell Rogue we need Manifold to make. You know, things happen. We're going to lose if we don't. And Rogue wants to tell the X-Men. Ro- well, yeah. And Rogue is like, can you just tell it to me straight? And she, Destiny says, there's a turncoat on the X-Men. Meaning. Talon. What? Talon. Right. What? It's got to be Talon. Children of the Vault. Infected Talon. This is going to break sync. And that strength is needed for the future. And that's why Stasis was coming out of the vault. Uh, maybe. I don't know about that, but yeah, maybe. Okay. But basically, that's a very clear statement. There's a turncoat on the X-Men. means someone's going to betray the X-Men. And so if they knew this information, if they knew the importance of Manifold as confirmed by Destiny, then that would only play into the knowledge that they already know from Moira. Right. And And then a great betrayal will turn the tide. That's a very clear statement. It must happen so that we may make this weakness a strength. So we have to let that person do their thing and turn on us so that we can move forward. The X-Men will buckle under the weight of the war to come. And Rogue's like, I don't get what you're saying. So she says, I see kings clashing in white, black after the death of the Red Queen. Red Queen is the only one capitalized in any of that proper title rather than just descriptor. Mm-hmm. Kings clashing in white. What do you think that could mean? Christian Frost, the White Queen. Kingpin? Kingpin, yeah, that's fair. Black after the death of the Red Queen. That means you don't see anything after that death? Or a shadow? Maybe, yep. A shadow cat? Jovian Bolt from the heavens. Jovian Bolt is a a Jupiter thunderstorm, basically, a lightning storm. Mm, Interesting. But could also have some connections to gods. The stars ripped in half. Is that gods related is that phoenix related the poisoning lies of a false captain aka the captain krakoa suit that has been stolen stolen captain krakoa suit his rank earned which makes me think that the short list of who is wearing the suit is a military captain Mm -hmm. probably john walker Ooh, and then the fool who speaks the truth will pay the price like, I understand that it's vague destiny words, but it's not like she's saying something that doesn't make any sense or has any, sense any connection to right. the world. Right. But I also think that she's coming at her with a lot of riddles and puzzles and Rogue's like, just tell me what you're saying. And if you really want me to do something, like, it's your mom trying to play games when you're right. just like, no, just tell me it's just tell me what's up. Like, I get it as a subjective observer, but if you were rogue right now, you would be just as frazzled as she is. Right. I think more so it's frustration. Sure. It's a title page. The walls are closing in. Once an X-Man, dot, 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 
Written by Jerry Duggan. Art by Joshua Cassara. Colors Frank Martin. Letters Clayton Coles. This is Clayton Coles. Joshua Cassara and Marte Gracia on the Pog Your Pog cover. Speaking of Pog Your Pog. Hey, we're on Game World. You remember that guy? So it seems like the X-Men just came to Game World to like... Gamble. Kick back and relax, but they interrupt a little robbery. Yeah. Vacation ruined. Magic's reaction is priceless. Oh, man. What are you doing, you weird elf? <laughs> they have a weird... So I was rereading... Been rereading pieces of Ten of Swords in lieu of just reading the whole thing. I don't know why. <laughs> As things come up, because there's a lot of references to it throughout the last couple of weeks and the handful of pages that we see it. The fact that Pog Your Pog is seemingly just here randomly to give a chip to the X-Men, essentially. But this fight interrupts what would be a very serious conversation between mom and dad. They've got business to take care of. Mm-hmm. And the X-Men can't really stand up against this giant lizard man. They're trying. Town's excited to meet him. Yeah. Um, especially to see a fastball special of any different variety. Right. Poglets. And then there's Forge. Yeah. He was just getting a strong drink before. Because he's learned, you know, he's feeling, I think he's feeling a little shame over here. Well, it's, it's, it's a recognition of hubris, mm. uh, of trying to level set your ego. And I think it's really smart as a character voice for him in this. And to see that dang Tony Stark and his <laughs> technology got the best of my mind. Mm-hmm. Because I just thought... I was prepared for everything and was not considering what else had been prepared for me. Oh, one thing we missed in the beginning of this issue was this conversation between Moira and Stasis when they're talking about needing Manifold. Stasis is like, I already did my thing. I messed with one of them. Like he brings up the fact that he's messed with magic. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to see it happen. Yeah, yeah. The battle continues. Sink decides to pull a Colossus. He gets thrown out into space. Yeah, the the rhyming crimes as they're <laughs> trying to spit back and forth. I'll kick you in the gizzard, lizard. Since we last met, I killed a cannibal wizard. And your rhymes are crimes. <laughs> uh, nobody seems to understand why we're making little jokes about this giant lizard as Gene has to give us the rundown that, hey, we all know that this is just a tiny little elf guy in a dino suit. The suit is the sword. That is Pog Your Pog. The little guy, we don't know his name. Is that Pog Your Pog as well? I don't know. I don't know, know but come out here. Pog Your Pog loosely translates to sword right, in Iraqi. Right, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Or Pog, I think it does. They continue the fight as Magic is saying like, hey, you silly little gnome, get out of here. Talk to me like a real person or I'm going to come in there. I'm going to make a new hole in your suit and I'm going to rip you out. And he's like, ooh, okay, I'll come out. What's that shiny necklace you're wearing? Only seen, never referenced before. Hey, magic has some jewelry created yeah, by what? Forge. A I mysterium like, necklace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as I like this issue and I like all the different plots that we're, t- that we're tending to, feels like we skipped an issue. Yeah. Feels where like, you know, where did that come from? There's been some things happening off panel that we have not been privy to, but that's fine. We don't need to see everything happen, especially if it's brought up later on in another issue. Just several times in one issue makes me question. Mm-hmm. Iceman's like, wait, we're just going to let him go? Uh, I'm not into that, but also I'm here to hang out. I'm going to the club. 
Yeah, I'm going to go get my dance on, blow off some steam. So they, they solve the problem by saying, hey, you can take this necklace, just never fight the X-Men again, and also you owe me a chip, a, a battle. You, you owe come me to a my favor. Side. Yeah, yeah. You come to Forge's side for favor. Oh, he's in... Cyclops is in his 90s outfit this whole time. The entire issue. Weird. Same as last issue. Weird. Well, listen. Everybody's kind of going off in their own different directions. It's time for mom and dad to have a deep astral plane convo. Serious conversation. This telepathic tension that's been feeling between them that we've been all aware of from the brood start, but it seems to have developed off panel. Right. And it goes so much deeper. It's like this whole thing of um, I ter- helped terraform Mars and you've never even gone there. Right. The pride of the treehouse, the the excitement that he has for what has been built in New York, in that space, and how that relates to never going to Arako. And it's interesting the way that he seems to be holding on to the OG Xavier dream of mutants and humans living in harmony and being able to help both of them. And that's what he wants. And he thinks that if he goes to space, then he's exiling mutants from being able to live on Earth. Uh, Yes and no. So I've always seen Cyclops's vision as being one-sided no uh, as as being in between magneto and xavier knowing that there are necessary things that have to be done that we can't be all soft and lovey and, and hug each other but that we can't just go and kill everybody but we have to be aware of the enemy and i i really do appreciate what he's saying about if we take this this thing that was well intended and we basically send all the mutants to Araco that essentially forfeits our right to call earth our home is his fear is that, that this will be seen as us retreating any kind of ownership of the ability to be here. We've been pushed out to this Island and now we've pushed from this Island to this other planet and essentially surrendering earth. Okay. But you don't have to live there. Cyclops. You could just go and look at it. Like you're acknowledging that, we did this beautiful thing for the Iraqi people, but you don't care to go and respect it at all. Like it doesn't deserve your attention. Like I can understand why Jean's like, okay, like no one's asking you to move there. No one's asking every mutant to move there, but you don't even want to go there ever. Mm. It's part of their community now. And at the same point, like I'm not saying that mutants should be forced out of earth, but I'm, but if you are living in a place of constant persecution and you can find another home for yourself and make another home for yourself where you're not persecuted, why do you want to stay in that place where you're being constantly persecuted? You want to stand up for your home. You don't want to be pushed out. After all this time, though, it doesn't seem like... And he's even acknowledging the fact that humans can't even get along with themselves. It made me think of the secret invasion line about not being able to share the planet with ourselves let alone another species mm-hmm. you know the fact that humans hate each other right the, the parallels to lgbtq relationships and mm-hmm. just bullying and bigotry and everything that the infighting between humans in general and you want to add in the mix of oh yeah there's a subdivision of us that have superpowers just born with it it's in everybody right could happen to you 
But then, but then things are weird. Because then she's yelling at him, but then she kisses him. I don't know that she's yelling at him. You know, it, it's the... She's acknowledging where he's coming from as this strategic leader of Krakoa. That, that you have this understanding of war and of what could happen to us as a people because you think like the humans. You think like either I will take or I will be taken from. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, no, if we just love each other. She is much more on the side of Xavier's dream of if we love each other, if we just treat each other as though we are equal of sorts. And that's the kind of the sticking point of like, well, we're not, you know, like, we're not humans. We're, mm-hmm. we're more than we're superior if you were to call it that. But the, the bomb drop at the end of how do you expect anyone to respect you? If you're going to tell them that you're better than them. Sure. But it's, it's also like everybody knows it. And it's it's this idea that if you don't say it, does that make it not true? Well, I don't think that... He's not going around saying like, hey, we're better than you. But it's like, hey, we can do things that you can't. And we should celebrate that. We shouldn't hide from that. Right. But using the word superior, like different is one thing, but... Well, I meant homo superior. right? The, the, like yeah. homo sapien... So, yeah, not the best word choice for the mutant's initial peace campaign, I guess, from the start. But but she kisses him, and then she says, I'm sticking to what I said. I'm leaving the X-Men. Yep. If you want to come find me, you know where to find me. Only if you don't continue on the X-Men. Right. So yep. it's, a, it's an ultimatum. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I just... I am trying not to draw heavy symbolism between the suit and, you know, that the time of him being this great leader of the X-Men team, the, the blue team, and him being on separate teams from Jean as she mm. was on the gold team at the time. And Interesting. But it might Feels- just be artistic choice. Mm. Also makes me concerned for this being a division point. Of, of making the right choice, you know, the, the premise of the Jean Grey series, as we see in that preview of the Hellfire Gala, Cyclops seemingly killed by this fake Captain Krakoa. What? Not in this issue. The preview of the Hellfire Gala from Free Comic Book Day, where oh. he's thrown from the treehouse. Right. And- okay. I was like, whoa, I missed something. It all lives in my brain, and we talk about it as it comes up. Before she ventures off to wherever it is she's going, Jean needs to make a stop at the treehouse to see our friend Polaris. Finally acknowledging the death of her father, which I feel like has just been... I mean, she hasn't really been in many issues Maybe since. Maybe she's been sitting here crying for a long time. She certainly didn't bring it up to Wanda. <laughs> Sorry, Steve, but that yeah. was a swing and a miss. Yeah. I think it's interesting that each one of our former X-Men members, other than OG Laura, is revisited through this issue. Oh, interesting. This is issue 24, the 12th issue from issue 12, which was our cap on the first year. This is the last issue, technically, of this team. The Hellfire Gala issue comes out before the next issue of this title. Well, obviously, okay, Cyclops and Jean and Sync. Oh, and then we see Rogue. And Polaris. And Sunfire. And Sunfire. 
You're right. Interesting. And the fact that Talon is on the team, and I think that she's the the turncoat, or at least the influence of, and is that that's a thread that Jerry's been playing with as well. This is really all the threads that he's been playing with that mm. some carried over from or haven't been touched since year one. Or So Magic goes to see Sunfire so that she can portal him to other worlds so he can solve the mystery of why Arako doesn't have a voice. So he's going to Otherworld to save Redroot from Jim Jaspers. Jim Jaspers captured Redroot in Ten of Swords because in the race through the Crooked Market, they knocked something over and were captured and imprisoned, essentially. Mm, Okay. And this is the first instance we see of Magic's discs not quite working the way they're supposed to. To drop into darkness rather than travel through Limbo. And come out the other side. So she's still able to travel. It's just seemingly not not as much control over it. This is something that I want to call out specifically because of timeline. So they have a meetup plan for a week from now. Mm -hmm. We are 24 hours before the gala. Right. Where all craziness goes off. And Magic's power is supposedly not going to be working. However, we know that realm of x is magic and danny in other world isn't it it's not in other world it's not in other world i thought it was no it's in like the thor areas right and... okay never mind i was like maybe she's going looking for him but... no no he has been relegated to x-men unlimited and i'm pissed about it yeah for several reasons that we'll get into in a second but he was late for this mission and now he's on to his quest we get one update X months later, unknown how time passes in the void. That has been a long time. Hey, look at that hair. Look at that beard. I don't even recognize. It. I thought it was Craven. Yeah, it definitely has Craven vibes. I failed you, Red Root. Little baby Red Root. Little, little Red Root. We get our, our three nexts Sunfire vs. Otherworld and X Men Unlimited, The Last Dance for Mutantdom and X Men Hellfire Gala 2023, and X Men number 25 from the shadows. The Red Queen is dead. Here's my here's Long my thoughts. Long live the Queen. It's either because she's transforming from the Red Queen to Shadowcat, so like the Red Queen is no more, or she dies and becomes Shadowcat and we don't see her resurrection because that's supposed to be hidden from Orcus so that she can live in the shadows and kill them all. And slash or Shaw makes his play buoyed by Mother Righteous and takes over any semblance of the Hellfire Trading Company and the exports of Krakoa as it's all destroyed. Mm. There is no need for a White Queen, a White King, a Red Queen, any of this other court because you you have the one sole proprietor. Which is Shaw. Which is Shaw. And that's also the angle that we've seen him playing. Mm-hmm. We do get from the shadows, we do see... Shadow, Shadow Cat, Cat alive and well. The cover that was teased a while back. What'd you think? It was great. It was great. It was great. And there was a, so many times when I was like, what? Like when they said Manifold, I was like, what? Manifold? And then we get Destiny and Rogue. And I'm like, oh my God, that, that miniseries actually means something. Because Manifold and Rogue and Destiny and all of this. God. And then, And then they say multiple times the Red Queen dies. And then we get... Gene leaving the X-Men and we're 
magic things are not working. It's just, and I just feel like Polaris, the whole thing with Polaris, like that's gotta, something's gonna happen there. Mm -hmm. You can't just bring that up for no reason. Like there's so many things. Yeah. No, that this was almost too many plots, but at the same time, it's like, hey, these are all the things that are active and aware of, except for Kate's Gates, which. When will we know? Who knows? Probably before she dies. Stop. But the thing that I like about this is that the setting of it being 24 hours before the gala, the way that there's so much and then it feels like it's revving up, like this is taking us to the top of the hill at the roller coaster yeah, yeah, yeah. and now we're just waiting to fall off. Right. Because, yeah. We're waiting for the, you're at, this is the click, 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 click. Oh, yeah. And we're waiting for the whom. Are you ready for the whom? I don't think so. I don't think I'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, so this was a it was an interesting turn of things here and there. Technically the last issue of this team, but not really made a big deal out of. Mm. Other than showing how connected past members still are to the team. It's a lot of dangling plots being juggled, but at least they're all on the playing field. I hate that Sunfire Stoyer is going to be an X-Men Unlimited arc. Primarily because I won't have the issue in my collection mm. now. But also it feels like it's now being said it's a lesser story well also don't say that though because x-men green came out with a printed issue so eventually you could get the sunfire story they stopped printed. after that oh well okay yeah latitude and x-men green came out and then they haven't done any maybe they would because it's a higher profile i don't know uh it's the first time that they've ever said like hey read an x-men unlimited i think it's true it's the first time it's explicitly tied into mm-hmm. current books otherwise it's it's been tangentially Here's something that might come up later on or be referenced mm. in another story. Steve plays with his stuff. You know? Yeah. But it just, it just feels like, you know, when a when a film actor goes back to doing TV. Yeah. You're like, oh, man, you made it. You were in the big leagues. I know. You were on the Sunfire. X-Men. You know, this is not where you're supposed to be. This is not where you, we've not been following this plot for over a year now to then vertical scroll it. I want a physical issue in my hands. Damn it. Just there's not enough time to do all the things. Just make it a one shot. Make it an oversized one shot. People would buy it. I'd buy it. I don't know. Call Jerry. Let him know. I'll let him know. (laughs) Warline is not a fan of Pog. He also thought the conversation between Scott and Gene is weird with them differentiating between mutants and minorities because they're all versions of humans. And I I think that that, yeah, Pog... For sure is, is, is your own balance of weird. It's a flavor. Yeah. Uh, the whole Scott and Gene talking about mutants, it's the analogy, right? Mm-hmm. The struggle. And and they don't really see themselves as a different humans. subset of humans, right? right? They are their own species created out of humans or from humans. Uh, and they go through it. It's expanding the metaphor of how things are just difficult for everyone when oppressed by the, the people. What, what was the line that they use? The because your oppressors don't like who you love or what you wear or something along those lines. Mm. I thought that was intense. He's a big fan of Josh's art showing that Gene feels hurt that Scott isn't, quote, proud of her or is afraid of her, which is a callback to the setup in AXE that they were mm. all playing around with this, this fear of what she could do. I think that's definitely a part of it. And I think she's got a lot of energy going into what will be her miniseries. Yeah, for sure. He also says Scott is right about mutant on Mar- mutants on Mars, by the way. I think so, too. All right. Agree to disagree. That's fine. 
I'm not trying to sway you. I'm just saying that's what I think. Barusu33, what do you both think Destiny means in that cryptic message she told Rogue? And we kind of walked through it of the different pieces. Yeah. But there's a lot of unknown. Yeah. The like the, the Jovian bolts, the 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 stars, the, even the specifics. Yeah. The 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 white kings and the mm, yeah. I know that that's where your mind goes because it ends with the red queen. Yeah. That's all our questions. It was a great week of comics. A very light week too. Well, yeah. Yes and no. I mean, the amount of information in some of the issues was so much that there was plenty to to talk about. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I meant light, like light, number right. of issues. But I'm just right. saying, like they were dense issues. We had like as in depth of a conversation as we would have if we had five issues to talk about. Mm-hmm. Which next week we do. Oh, hit me with those issues. I mean, we have Scarlet Witch number six. Not really an X Men book, but it's there. It's on it's the list. There. It's on the poll. Rogan Gambit, number five of five, closing that story arc. Well, I'm glad because I'm now I'm even more interested in what's going to happen there. Interesting timing to make you know uh, what's going on mm. in number five. X-Force, number 42, Ghost Calendars, Nimrod Beast on the cover. Oh, the final Ghost Calendars. Yeah, it's the last cover that Josh does on X-Force. Oh, no. It's a hell of a cover to go out on. X-Men Days of Future Past Doomsday. That's the four-part miniseries that's going to be right before the classic story. Oh, cool. And Immortal X-Men number 13. Ay, ay, ay. It's just going to... It's it's revving up, people. The Doug fall on is the coming. Doug on the cover. And a lot of hints. You know, I may have seen some preview art. I may have read some preview pages. Tell me nothing. It's about Doug and Krakoa. And what's going on? How Krakoa feels about all of the happenings. What did I just say i said tell me not talking to you i'm talking to the folks talking to the people i didn't even get the word nothing out and you said the whole plot i didn't say the whole plot (laughs) i said the two main characters of the issue i said i said the 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 people who brain you're in warlock he's dead that was rude he's dead you said that so aggressively he's dead jim who's jim you don't know star trek no not really sorry that was before my fandoms really exploded. I was into dinosaurs at that time. Yeah, well, my dad was super into Star Trek, so <laughs> I was into Star Trek by proxy. Ah, uh, well, we did it. Oh, oh, and Fallen Friend number one, which is mm. the aftermath of the death of Miss Marvel, which, which we feel like we need to know about. I'm gonna pick it up. Yeah. I'm not sure if we'll go through it. We might just tell you, hey, this is what happened, or this is why it's important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, woof. Until next time, old friend. Churls. Churls and churls. Ugh. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>